Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 382. It's Comic-Con week. We have one day left, of course, of the Force uh, at the time I'm posting this episode. So if you go to StarWars.com slash Course of the Force or YouTube.com slash Nerdist, you can see highlights. Uh, you can see us raising money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And thank you if you participated. And uh, at Comic-Con, I'll be moderating a ton of panels. So, so I'll be running in between things. But definitely say hi if you see me uh, frantically running <laughs> the Comic-Con floor. If I am running, I'm not running from you. I'm just running to something, which is probably a panel that I'm moderating like. Um, we are having a Nerdist panel uh, that will be Saturday uh, the 20th, Saturday, July 20th at 3 p.m. in the Indigo Ballroom uh, over at the Hilton Bayfront. And the rest of the time, most of the rest of the time, I'll be in on Hall H. Uh, but I'll post the full schedule on Nerdist.com. Our show with Matt Smith at the Babo is sold out, which is awesome for us. Uh, not great for you if you wanted to go and you didn't get a ticket. I apologize, but um, it uh, it should be super, super fun. I mean, we had a Doctor Who person on every year for the last three years. We had Behrman on last year and then Matt and Karen on the year before. So uh, I, I'm... Who knows what will happen next year? Oh, Matt's leaving. And I miss that bow-tied, adorable hug muffin. So I would like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, Stamps.com. Don't drive to the post office. Why would you do that to yourself? Do you hate yourself? It's possible you do, but you shouldn't hate yourself that much to go to the post office. Stamps.com has everything you need at your computer. Print out the exact postage you need. Uh, stick it on your envelope. The, the post carrier comes and takes it away, and you never have to get in your car or walk to the post office or stand in line or wait at a crazy machine or get yelled at by someone. Stamps.com will do everything for you. Right now, there's a no-risk trial. It's a $110 bonus offer and up to $55 of free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else that might be postal-related. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST at Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. This episode is Jeff Bridges, and I have to say, we've probably done about 400 episodes of the podcast, and I got a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. So it just goes to show you, no matter how long you do something, you still get a little nervous sometimes, which is good, because that means you care about what you're doing. And I did care about this, and... Bridges was awesome. So we were just like tucked in this tiny little conference room on the Universal lot. 
As one may expect, I believe this took a philosophical and existential turn. He has a new movie called The Rest in Peace Department, R.I.P.D., which is based on the Dark Horse comic that opens Friday, July 19th. So go see that. It's sort of um, like a ghosty men in black. So uh, please enjoy the Nerdist Podcast number 382 with the delightful Jeff Bridges. Now entering Nerdist.com. <laughs> you're gonna do you're gonna do live improv they're gonna give you a scene and an occupation you, go. <laughs> you got rye rain jeff bridges it's an honor to have you on the podcast wonderful to be here man have you done a podcast before i think i have yeah this is not so. This is not your first podcast. I wouldn't say it's my first podcast, but I don't know how, how is a podcast different than like a radio show or something. Is there any difference it's as far as less important? Less <laughs> important? Shit! Well, I'm out of here. Then. Can you swear? Can I say? Yes, any you can. Words? Yeah, I can swear. Oh, swear oh man! Shit! Fuck balls! Anything you want. <laughs> Pick Anything Pick you want. Yeah. Visit. And then it's going to turn into actor studio. Is like, what is your yeah, favorite? Yeah, did you do? Did you have you done actor studio? I've done actor studio. How was it? How was how was James lifted? James was <laughs> great, man. He was great. I of course uh, immediately comes to mind that wonderful uh, impersonation of him by uh, Will. Oh yeah, God. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so great. <laughs> Will's great because it's like he doesn't. He never. It's sort of like those Dana Carvey impressions, where it's like he didn't quite nail the voice, but he just nailed the essence oh, of it. Oh, it's so wonderful! Huge stack of cards. How has it changed for you? I mean, like, do you is is it the movie making? Is it still? Do you still love it? Is that? I mean, is it? What does it feel like for you now? Uh, it's, it, you know, it's it's so much part of my life that I experience you know the gamut of emotions with it. You know, you get your ups and your downs. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little different these days. You know, there's a lot of uh, green screen, blue screen acting. You know, which is a bit uh, actually, it's it's um, while it's more advanced in a way, it's more primitive. Sure. Because it calls upon all of those skills you had when you were a kid, pretending. You know, you don't have any cool costumes or. You know, you're you're acting in a leotard with a bunch of glowing dots on yourself. You know, you've got to imagine. You know everything. Your surroundings. You know your props. You know the other, but the other person, person. You know what what they're going to be like, and all, all of that. So that's um, that. That's a little different these days. You feel more and more. You get more and more of that. You know. But I think I think about people who are who are in acting. So people who are like in the new school, like you know. And they, they're taking acting classes and they're studying. They're trying to find the center of the character. But I imagine at no point in theatrical training are they like, today we're going to put green leotards and dots on you. And you're like, how am I supposed I, to? I, I bet you'll start doing that. <laughs> I never thought of that. Acting for I, 21st century film. I would imagine. Green yeah. box eaters are going to replace black <laughs> box eaters. Yeah, when we did the first Tron... Uh, it was you know very primitive. We shot it in 70 millimeter black and white. The whole thing was tinted by hand. Yeah, with some ladies in Korea, you know, all the vector lines. Those were just adhesive tape on a little you know duvet, black duvetine stuff. 
And this last, uh, you know, Tron 2, I was literally scanned into the computer. It felt like it was, you know, the movie, uh, you know, the first movie, but it turned real, you know. And, I, and they, you know, scanned us in. And uh, like I said, it was a lot of acting in, um, you know, leotards with golden, you know, glowing dots. Well, Tron is, I mean, that was a movie for me that is always, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people say this to you, but that's one of those movies that I, I watch that movie every year. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch Tron again, and I went to a double feature in Santa Monica. It was Tron and Khan. It was Tron and Wrath of Khan, uh, uh, and uh, and Steven Lisberger was there. All right, and all these effects guys, and they said to everyone, like, you don't understand. We didn't have an application. It we just plugged this so... shit into a computer. It was all math oh, formulas. It was so funky. It was before. Uh... Laptops. I think it was even before cell phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, God. Now, RIPD, you know, the special effects on that are another number uh, completely. I don't think I ever wore a leotard with glowing dots in <laughs> RIPD. There's a lot of, you know, now, you know, the... The cool thing, I think, is to do some of the old-school, real practical, you know, stunts and, and, and marrying that to these, you know, the newer... Uh, Technology and how do you how can you do that as seamless as possible? Yeah, we were really fortunate on RIPD. Uh, Robert Swanky, our director, uh, was really skilled at doing that, marrying that old school, you know, stunts and stuff with the new technology to make it really seamless and put you in the world. That's good. Yeah, because you were you were you you worked on Seventh Son and my girlfriend's dad, John Dykstra, did the effects oh, for that movie. Oh yeah, and John says today he's like. Yeah, my job's fine, but mostly I'm just standing behind a bank of computers. Like it's not like the old days, like in Star Wars, where we went into a a, a, a warehouse and just built shit. With oh our hands. God! Oh yeah, it's very different now. But you still get some of that, uh, the old school, you know that that stuff. It was wonderful working with John on Seventh Son. He was did some terrific stuff. Have you worked with him before? No, it was the first time. Um, when you're when you're sort of looking around at. Like, because I would imagine you could probably do whatever you want. What is it about a project where you go, yeah, I think I could bring something to this? Like, when you, when you have unlimited choices, how yeah. do you know? I, I uh, do my best to not engage in projects. I find I, uh, my impulse is to kind of push things away because I know, you know, what it takes. You're, if you do that, you're not going to be able to do this, and you don't even know what this is that you wouldn't be able to do if you if you do something. So I... I try to push things away, but um, the thing that really kind of hooks me, uh, being a movie lover myself, is to be surprised. You know, to to go to a movie and, and not know what to expect, and then get your mind kind of blown. You know, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I like. Yeah. And RPD is one of those things. I remember, you know, reading the script. I mean, how are they going to pull this off? This is so incredible. You know. And then, uh, then you find out, and you start to you know, get into it a little bit more, and find out who's go- who's going to be in charge, who's at the helm. And it was Robert Swanky. He did uh, the movie Red. Mm-hmm. You saw that. Yeah, it was amazing. And I was really impressed. You know, that was kind of a genre film, but he took it to a, you know, another level. I thought, and uh, he seemed to be a good guy. Uh, you know, to be at the helm of this one, and then to hear uh, that you know Ryan Reynolds and then Mary Louise Parker, and as they started to assemble the cast, Kevin Bacon, you know, yeah. it was very exciting. Is Ryan Reynolds as dreamy in person? Like that guy is just like he's not human, right? He's he not is, human. He's pretty dreamy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him on the. It was like it was the cover of like Entertainment Weekly, where he was like, I don't know why everyone thinks I'm a sex symbol, and he's leaning up on a shower, and he's oh, got yeah. like a twelve pack. Like, <laughs> come on, right, right. 
No, he is. Uh, he's t- really terrific. Such a uh, uh, you know, he's got great humor. You know, he's you know wonderful comedians. Got the drama thing going. Got the you know the bod and the action stuff. He's you know very uh, you know very physical actor. Yeah, Canadian. Way. Canadian. That's <laughs> always a plus. He gets plenty. Gets points for that. Exotic. I mean, this is basically your entire life has been the entertainment business, essentially. You, do you, did you ever think, like, oh, could I just be a banker? Could I just, like, not? Was, was there ever a point where you thought that? Uh, not a banker. <laughs> well, <laughs> that not never a banker. crossed my mind. <laughs> but just, but like, God. something, just like a regular guy. Job. Something in the arts, you know, music. I've always been attracted to music or painting, you know, something like that. Something that was, involves some kind of creativity. I guess Talk banking does, too. You can be a creative banker. There's a lot of creative. There are a lot of creative <laughs> bankers. That, that's why the country is in a shithole. part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly too creative banking. Um, but... You know, when you're growing up and you're a kid and you're in this entertainment family and your your whole family is, is it does it do you feel like you had a choice to go into acting or was it just like no I really want to do this yeah too? probably not too much of a choice man <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, uh, brought into acting uh, at six months old wow my father was visiting a, a friend John Cromwell was making a movie. And uh, they needed a little baby, and I happened to be there, six months old. And my mother said, oh, here, take my baby. (laughs) And I was a very uh, happy baby, and and the baby in the movie was supposed to be, you know, a crier, you know, and crying in the scene. And uh, uh, the actress, I'm 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 spacing out her name now, Jane, great actress. She was in the original uh, Against All Odds called Out of the Past, Quick Google it. Uh, Jane Greer? Jane Greer handed uh, me over to Jane Greer, and uh, my mother says, Oh, he won't cry? Just pinch him. <laughs> <laughs> and they pinched me in the beginning of my acting career. <laughs> now we cut, you know, maybe 35 years later, and I'm in another movie with Jane Greer doing a remake of her wonderful movie with Robert Mitchum called Out of the Past, mm-hmm. and our movie was called Against All Odds. Yeah, huge movie. And she was playing her character in the original movie. She's playing her character's mother now. And I went up to her and I said, Jane, uh, I'm having a little trouble emoting in this scene. Would you please <laughs> give me a pinch, baby? <laughs> so we had fun with that. But no, you know, unlike a lot of uh, actors and particularly, uh, you know, uh, movie guys in, in Hollywood, um, unlike them, my dad and my mom were very gung-ho about the biz. They wanted all of their kids to go into show biz because they loved it so much. Yeah. And uh, my dad, you know, would always, you know, say, come on, I don't know if you remember Sea Hunt. It was a of TV, course, yeah. TV series he had, uh, you know, back in the early 60s. And he would say, come to work with dad. And I go, oh, and he says, come on, you get to get out of school, you know, <laughs> make some you know, money, you can buy some toys and stuff. Come on, man, it'll be fun. Pretend with dad, you know. So that was like from the beginning, and it was kind of late. You know, it took me a while in my career before I really decided uh, that that's what I wanted to do. I was uh, thinking of, uh, you know, like I said, music or, you know, any some some other kind of artistic endeavor. And then you do Last Picture Show, and you're like, ah, fuck, I guess I'm pretty good. No, at this. It was, no, it was it was way after that. I had done maybe you know ten pictures, and I still hadn't figured it out. Really? Yeah. What do you think figuring it out means? 
Well, uh, in my case, I had just finished a movie called uh, Last American Hero. I had a, a wonderful time. Uh, and uh, and usually after a movie, I feel like I don't want to ever make another movie again. <laughs> you know, it spins a certain muscle, this pretend muscle or whatever you want to call it. And it kind of gets exhausted. And you think, you know, I, and, and fortunately I've learned now that that, you know, that desire, you know, comes back after a while. But in this case, uh, after Last American Hero, I was exhausted and didn't feel like working. And my agent called me up very excited and said, uh, got a great gig for you. Uh, the Iceman Cometh, starring uh, Lee Marvin. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Ryan, uh, Robert Ryan, Robert Ryan. Is in it. you know, Frederick March, this incredible cast. Um, and I said, no, man, I, thanks, but I'm going to turn it down. He says, you're turning it down? I said, yeah, I'm bushed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he says, okay. And about five minutes later, the director, Lamont Johnson, from the movie before, called me up and just read me the riot act. You know, said, you call yourself an actor. How could you turn this down? You know? So I decided to do, uh, do a little experiment on myself. And, uh, you know, I understand that, you know, to be a professional, you have to do it when you're not feeling like it. And I certainly don't feel like it. So I'm, this might be the nail in my acting coffin. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And I did it and had an incredible time working with these old masters. And uh, John Frankenheimer, you know, wonderful director, shot the thing. And it was like, a, you know, it's a four-hour play. We basically worked on it like, like that play. We rehearsed it uh, for about eight weeks and then shot it for two weeks. So it was sitting around for those eight weeks talking with those, all those other actors and, you know, learning about uh, their feelings and finding out that their insecurities and their fears, that never goes away. <laughs> you know, so that, that never goes away. That, no, he says, you know, that's, you got to get, you know befriend that thing because that's going to be around <laughs> probably for the whole time <laughs> why do you think performers have that is it is it because performers are extra almost by design sort of extra sensitive because you're basically trying to re-express the world and do you think that just makes you more sensitive in general uh yeah I, uh that that probably yeah that and uh uh, I find I, I get more anxious when it's something I, you know, I really care about. I really want to pull off, and I hope I'm up up for it. You know, I hope I can do it justice. You know, and uh, you know, I, I guess sometimes I get the image of a, you know, a wide receiver going out for that long ball and just say, "Oh, let me catch this thing," you know, <laughs> "Let me catch it." You know? <laughs> are you pretty hard on yourself, or are you or are you a pretty easygoing? Because I think your public persona. Is more like the dude where everyone's like, "Oh, Jeff Bridges. He's probably like everything. Probably rolls off that yeah. guy. He's like the easiest. You know, is that is that really? Is that you think that's really you, or is there a place where it's you're the, like, you know, it's the uh, it's the gamut of emotions. And people think the dude is all this laid back guy, but that's not really not not the way I view him. You know, I mean, you, you know, when the stranger asks him, "How's it going, dude?" You know, strikes and gutters, man. <laughs> you know, keep that. The dude gets plugged in just as much as anybody. You know. Piss on his rug and <laughs> I know what happens, man. <laughs> but he deals with stress. We all deal with stress. It's uh, you know how we do it. Stress isn't necessarily a, a, a terrible thing. It's uncomfortable for sure, but uh, it can lead you to some cool places if you just kind of hang with it. You know, cook with it a little bit. It's tough though. It's challenging. Don't you? I feel like most of 
I feel like a lot of what our culture is about now is about not ever being uncomfortable. You know, with like, right. you know, with drugs and distractions and prescription medicine and booze. Oh, like, it's just yeah. like the internet is like, it's constantly like, I don't want to feel uncomfortable for a second. And, and I think it's yeah. kind of important to feel uncomfortable. It is. And how to, you know, kind of groove with that a little bit and see what uh, what goes. It's it's a tough challenge because, like you say, that relief is so available to us, you know, in so <laughs> many ways now just to hang with that stress and let it kind of do its work and be with that. I find that really challenging in my life. You know, yeah. How to, how to do it. Do you ever get, uh, because you obviously, with some of the, the movies that you wrote, especially with, well, even with like Tron or even, even you know, more dramatic, Fearless or, or, or Lebowski, it's like, you really have to put a lot of trust into a director, especially with like the Coen brothers where it's like, mm. they're doing something really specific. Are you? Can you come in? Do you come in with ideas, or are they like, well, it's this is really kind of just how it is, and you do you play along with them in that way? Yeah, the way I uh, I like to do it is uh, definitely come up with my ideas. I can't help that, you know. As I read this thing, I have all all kinds of ideas, and write all that shit down, and um, and present that to the director. And I love it uh, when uh, a director is. Uh, you know, very inclusive and wants wants to hear what you have to say. And uh, Coen Brothers are certainly like that. They really, you know, you want all the stuff that you got. Um, but uh, there's a lot of ways, you know, directors, you can have uh, directors that don't want to hear what you have to say, you know. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Right. Uh, thank you for your wonderful idea. And then they do. And that's... You know, and that's you can make some great movies that way. You know, with some directors, that's not the, it's not the most fun way to work. But I've worked that way and gotten you know good results. But I usually like to uh, kind of empower the director. You know, when I you know go in, you know, say this. You know, if I'm you know like I say, I try to resist the project as much, you know as much as I can. But if uh, but when I finally engage in the thing, I try to give it up to the director, you know, because it's ultimately not always, this isn't always the case, especially with these big movies that we seem to be really making a lot of these days. But in, for my money, the director is the cat who is in charge and who the whole thing is going to get funneled through, you know. So you're, you're really, uh, in my view, I'm trying to uh, create the director's vision, you know. And that also takes me away from my own concepts about what I'm capable of doing, where I see it going. And so I can kind of turn it over to him and let him direct me. You know, what I, what That's an interesting idea. Like, yeah, right. That is a really interesting idea because I think m most people probably think of acting as like, oh, it's a thing that's in your own head, but the idea of getting out of your own head and just being like, you're the conductor. So yeah, just... oh, it's, it's trippy. And I bring all my, my stuff and I'll constantly have, you know, ideas. But... Um, uh, you know, turning it over to him is uh, it, it uh, makes it a lot easier for me. To, uh, you talk about the stress and the pressure yeah. that takes a lot of that off me, you know, because he's the he's the guy. He hired me. You know, he's responsible for the thing, for the vision, and I'm gonna there to serve him and get him out. And and and, uh, and you know, most often they'll say, "You got you know, what are your ideas? You got any ideas?" I say, "Yeah, let me try one of the things." It could, you know. And they, uh, that's one of the things I love about directors is. Uh, they're uh, 
their ability to be a good audience, you know, to see, yeah, to be thrilled with your, you know, what's what everybody's doing and everything. But it also means that you have to pick directors that you <laughs> that you absolutely trust. Well, yeah, but you, and you never know. It's always like leaping off, you know. It's like taking a leap of faith because there's so many. <laughs> Opportunities for a movie to get screwed that have you nothing know. to do with oh, you as a yeah, performer or, or the director. You know, a lot of times it can be taken away from the director, and the suits will say, "No, I've got a good idea. This is the way it should be." Right. And the director said, "Yeah, but yeah, but no. Who has the final cut? Look in your contract. Uh, you know, you know it's, oh, so you can work on a movie for." You know, three years and uh, have it all, you know, pulled out from under you. Know, it must be <laughs> terrible. Too. Have you ever been in a situation where you're at a premiere of a movie and then you see what ended up happening and you want to sit up and go, guys, I did other takes than this. Oh, this was just oh. the. Well, for me, it's very, uh, you know, I can't, I can't really get a clear uh, picture of a movie of, that I've been in when I first see it because it's. You know, it's like watching a home movie. You know, you remember all the, like you say, all the other takes and, uh, you know, what you had for lunch and the conversation you had with that guy. And, you know, and, so it's, and that's, you know, stays in your head so you can't follow the next scene because you're thinking of that stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's I've got to see it, you know, three or four times to really get a clear picture. It almost seems unfair that. You know that that people write reviews of specific performances where you go, this actor did this job or this actor didn't do a good job. It's like, oh, but there's so much more. Like, you oh, know, there's so much man. more to the formula. Like, maybe they oh. maybe they, they didn't use the right take or maybe it wasn't. You know, oh, one of my one of my favorite uh, kind of favorite and worst experiences all rolled into one was doing a movie called Eight Million Ways to Die that Hal Ashby directed. And his uh, his approach was so bold. He had such, you know, wonderful art balls, man. He would just, you know, show up and assemble his actors. And the script was literally just kind of a sketchbook. And then he would go off and say, what do we feel like doing? You know, like, But you got to look at the pudding that, you know, came out of his oven, you know, yeah. by this method. And this, uh, Bo, my brother Bo did his first movie. Uh, and I called the landlord, and I did his last movie. And it was Andy Garcia's first movie, and we had a wonderful time working with Hal. He was so great, but this producer, you know, had no respect for him. Fired Hal, didn't let him cut the movie, and then proceeded to just cut it against the oh, grain, no. and just you know, and that's just so painful, you know. Yeah. But you got to, um, I guess, I don't know. This is my take. I got to be willing to. Uh, to just to go for it and not and not care so much about the results, but just be into the process and working with all these wonderful people, you know. Because, like I was saying, there's so many opportunities for it to, you know, f- fall off the the table and not be uh, what everybody hopes. And the reverse is true. Sometimes it turns out, you know, like you mentioned, Last Picture Show. You know, God, that was that kind of thing just kind of stands alone. It's just like a Amazing! It transcended certainly my expectations, but probably everybody else's that was in the movie. Yeah. When you look back now, is that do you feel like do you feel like you've learned most of what you wanted to learn, or do you feel like ah shit? There's I still don't. There's still a lot I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of both. You know, you learn stuff. You learn that. Oh, I guess I'll always not know shit. You know, I guess that's. <laughs> That's kind of what the takeaway. That's an important is. admission yeah. to make, though. Yeah, yeah, and just and and being uh, innocent and being willing to be innocent and being willing to give it up. And uh, you know, you hear a lot of actors 
are kind of protective. So if a director will suggest something, they'll say, I'm not going to do that because that's probably going to be in the movie. You know, I find, you know, I, I really try hard not to take that road because that, that limits that limits everything. You know, you never know how it's going to turn out. You just, I just, uh, you know, give, give it up to my best. You know? Yeah. Do you, have, do you have a concept as like, you know, because most people is like, ah, Jeff Bridges is this very famous actor, but you're a guy. You're just your person, and you have thoughts and feelings. And do you do you see the difference between those two, like this persona and then the person that you actually are? Do you have like a piece carved out for yourself? Uh, get into that a little bit more. Ask that some more. I'm saying, like, you know, when you're about as famous as you could be to the world as an actor, like where you have been for a, a long time, do you still feel like? There's a piece of yourself that's like this is just for me, and the public thing is a separate kind of a separate guy, like a, a separate mask that you put on. Yeah. But at home, you're really just a. Or do you feel like they're the same? You know, you are you are what you are. Uh, I you know I am what I am. I'm a, you know it's the Popeye thing. Yeah, I am what I am, <laughs> and there's certain probably things that. Uh, Time I spend in, uh, with the toilet that I don't shit. <laughs> I haven't done a shitting scene yet. No. Nope. One yes. second, let me think. I might have. Well, actually, I stuck my head in the toilet, didn't I? <laughs> but that really isn't shitting. No, it's not. I do think a, <laughs> I do think a shitting with with Jeff Bridges' web series could be great, though. It's just whatever yeah. com, whatever you think of yeah. in that three to eight That's minutes. Right. Maybe maybe it could do like. Uh, me and my brother Bo in a two-holer outhouse. <laughs> what do you think, Dale? Huh? Just kind of carrying on, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know, burning I, bridges. Yeah, burning bridges. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Light a match, will you, Brown? <laughs> I'm sick of lighting yeah. your matches. <laughs> that actually be a pretty good. I mean, you and your. You and your brother, I, I was some of the stuff that I was reading online. You were like that, you know. It was really, you guys have always sort of had this relationship. It seemed like he looked out for you a lot when you were, oh, when you were growing oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he's my, you know, my best friend, my mentor, and we had such a great time doing uh, fabulous Baker Boys together. Uh, that was a great. I say, you know, talking about directors, I've had such wonderful luck with first-time directors. That was a first-time director directed uh, fabulous Baker Boys, Steve Clovis. And we had a, such a great time, gosh, on that movie. That was wonderful. We're always looking for something, you know, as good as that. It's hard, you know, so not just to cash in on the brother gimmick, but to find something that's, you know, as good as the Baker Boys, you know, something really good. Yeah. When uh, uh, when you were working, when you would go to work with your dad, did you feel like, oh, this is this is how we bond. This is how we're bonding. Was it was it always through like acting and performing? Hmm. Uh, I never thought that, uh, but we did a lot of bonding that way, you know. Um, I can remember when when I was a kid, you know, and him and, and, and you know, I finally said, okay, I'll do this part in the sea. And I did a few sea hunts as a little kid, and him, you know, setting me uh, on his bed and teaching me all the basics of acting, you know, all those all those things. I didn't I didn't think at that time, oh, I'm bonding with my father. Right. I didn't think of that. But uh, later on, I guess uh, I did. Kind of later in his life, uh, we did um, two films together as a, you know, when I was an adult, and that was that was really cool, man. We really had a great time because uh, you know acting uh, for for me basically it's kind of uh, 
you know, advance pretend, you know, like playing when you were a kid, you know, playing pretend. It's, yeah. it's a, quite a bit of that, you know, involved, except you got all the cool gear, you know, unless you're doing the thing in the tights and the balls. Because <laughs> but anyway, with my dad, with the first movie we did uh, as an adult was with uh, Coppola, you know, Francis on uh, Tucker. And Francis is like a big kid. There's a lot of kidness in him. And the first thing that he said on the second week of rehearsal, he said, okay, now everybody got everybody in the room and said, now we're going to shoot the entire movie in this one week. Uh, Vittorio Storaro, our DP, he will use this wheelchair as a dolly. Uh, you costumers, if you need a wedding dress, look at these drapes. You can take that, you know. And uh, you actors, when we do the car scenes, make sure when the car stops that you, you know, you give a little, you know, thing like that. And I'm going to be shooting, we do all these cameras. And it was kind of like, um, you know, the little rascals, you know, come on, let's make a movie, come on. <laughs> and what we didn't know was that he shot the whole movie that week. And what we didn't know is to and from work, he was editing the whole thing. And at the end of that week, he gave everybody a copy of the film and said now we've made the movie uh, here we're just going to polish it up a little bit and uh, it was wonderful because uh, for a couple of reasons one you know when you're making a movie you don't shoot in order you know you shoot kind of out of order so in this in this uh, version that we did that week of rehearsal we shot everything in order so we got to experience the story that way when you're an actor when they put a camera you kind of rise to the thing so you've got to you know really, you know, give it your all as much as you could. You know, sometimes you had to just read your lines off the script. But uh, it was that sense of play and playing with my dad that way and hearing my dad say, hey, I've got an idea, what are, you know, and feeling like that, you know. And that was a wonderful thing. We worked again in Blown Away. It was another great, great time of playing together. I just find that um, I think... You know, I, I, my, my relationship with my dad got a lot better as I got older. When I was a kid, when I was younger, he kind of had his own things that he was focusing on. And you know, my dad was a professional bowler, and so he was on the tour. Uh-huh. And and, uh, and and so, but when he got older, it just he became very like, ah, oh, let's let's just hang out and bond, you know. And I wonder if that is that what happens when you get older? Is like, oh, I just want to bond with with my family. And uh, yeah, I guess there's a sense of that, you know. You know, is mortal. I notice it in myself as you know, as I'm feeling more, you know, my mortality closer to me, that I want to, you know, do the the important, you know, be as close to the ones who are most important to me, my family and stuff, and yeah. engage. I always like to try to find uh, things uh, that I can do. Uh, it's sort of in the work realm with my kids because that's kind of you know as you get older you know you probably experience this too this is kind of play what we're doing here this is how you know come on johnny you want to come on over we're going to get the mics out and pretend i'm interviewing you you know (laughs) and here we are you know so uh with my middle girl jesse i'm going on tour with my band here in a little while she's going to be opening for me she's been my assistant in the last three movies so we just hang all the time and play a lot of music my eldest daughter, Isabel, we're writing a children's book called Daddy Daughter Day. That's sweet. <laughs> and Haley, my youngest daughter, she's got a, a store and she's invited me to come in and draw on the walls and stuff. So we find, you know, ways of, you know, playing together like that. That's nice. I mean, I, I see, I, 
your website's fun because it it basically just kind of line it just lays everything out that all the stuff that you work on and, and the photography yeah which yeah you get great photography shots I think because you're you and I and I oh, think most yeah. most people if anyone else like lifted a camera in a room with Robert Downey Jr. and like John Favreau they're like put the fucking camera yeah, down oh, exactly. I was like but, oh hey Jeff yeah, oh, sure yeah. you can take all the pictures oh, you want like, that's one of the reasons I do it is because it is such a unique uh, point of view you know uh your dad, you mentioned your dad's a, a golfer. He's a professional bowler, yeah. Prof- professional bowler, not yeah. a golfer. And that reminded me of uh, bowling in uh, in Lebowski. And maybe you've heard this story. I don't know. It always cracks me up. I thought you might enjoy it. The dude, by the way, has never seen bowling in the whole movie. Do you realize that? In Lebowski, you never see him bowl. No. But we all, we being, you know, John and uh, and Buscemi and my, myself, we took serious bowling lessons, you know. And we had this master bowler, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like right up there, top guy. And uh, he had an assistant with him there, and he was teaching us. And I was asking him, gee, what do you think the dude's uh, wind-up would be? You know, how do you think he would prepare? You know, and I and I don't. This might be a little before your time, but do you remember the honeymooners? Of course, yeah. Of course. So remember Art? You remember Art, Art Carney? Carney yeah. Remember how how he yeah. would always do? You know, when he was going to sign a piece of paper, he'd take you know about five minutes and to kind of warm then, up yeah. his arm. So I thought, is that how the dude would be? You know, like you know, wind, you know, wind up like that. And it's when I start to say it, the guy's assistant goes, and he laughs like this. And I say, why are you doing that? And he says, nothing, nothing, nothing. And I look at the master bowler. I say, what is going on? He goes, oh, nothing. And the guy keeps laughing. I say, oh, come on, you guys got to tell me. And uh, the master bowler says, well, you know, uh, in bowling, it's kind of like Zen in the art of, you know, archery. You know, the pins are down. Even before you put your hand back, you've got to have the mindset and everything for that. So I would, you know, get into to get into that mindset. I would, you know, have to, you know, get, <laughs> get loose and he would, you know, shake a certain thing, you know, and kind of get my mind empty, you know. And it would take you know five, ten minutes, and like Lisa and you know, all the guys in the bench would say, "Get out of the fucking <laughs> so I said, he, "I said, what happened?" He says, "Well, man, I um, it, I had to go to a shrink. I had to stop. I could not throw the ball." And I went to a shrink and you know spent a year in there figuring out what's happening. And so I said, "So what's your method now? What do you do?" He said, "I throw the fucking ball." <laughs> I, just got, I, don't, I, don't, I just get up and think, and I just start thinking about it, just boom, you know. But that ask, ask your dad. But you must have bowled. Right? I still bowl. You still a bowl. So you 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 kind of get what that guy's saying, or what do you? Yeah, my dad. My dad, when he sees me bowl, he goes, "You do what I do, which is you run up there because you don't give yourself time to think, think about it." Oh, that's it, man. Yeah. See that? Thinking, I pick up the ball and I fucking go. That thinking is tough, man, isn't it? It is, but, God. but not just with you know. It's so interesting that, and it sounds kind of dumb, but basically to take something like bowling and then. Go, but you could really apply this logic to life. Like when you get too like, oh, should I do this or what if this or what if I like? Oh, man, that's, you know, huh? you're trying to coordinate a thousand muscles when you really just need one. You can never get enough information, man. <laughs> you know, to make the right choice, right? I'm going through that stuff now. I can't. It's tough, but it's something about that. We want to make the right choice, right? 
I heard a good slogan the other day that rang my bell. Uh, you can never, uh, you can never get it wrong because it never gets done. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Isn't that kind of cool? <laughs> you know, you're always kind of learning and applying what you learn, and keeps going on and on. Well, I always tell, I always tell people, you know, when they say, oh, "I want to start something," but I don't know what to do. I go, "Well, start it, and then if you fuck it up, then don't." Then do it differently the next time, and then you, you then you learn something, and then you're better off. That's right. You know, don't be afraid to fuck it. Don't be afraid to throw the ball in the gutter. Yeah, basically, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world. I feel like the, I think one of the reasons, and of all the movies you've done, and I, I think you know the dude is so iconic now in Lebowski. I know you've been to Lebowski Fest, and Lebowski fans are fun, and they. I, I think it's just because I really think it's that guy just really is. It's just kind of a metaphor for I'm just a person who has a very simple set of tasks that I want to complete to stay happy, and the rest of the world will not fucking leave me alone <laughs> to just complete those tasks. Do you, is that how you see him, or what do, what do you think his thing is? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that same thing we're talking about, uh, stress and comfortable. You know, the dude really is kind of addicted to comfort, as, as we all are, I think. But, uh, you know, look at the groove that the... Uh, you know, look at the great story that came out of the dude's stress. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, look how the strangers showed up, man. You know, <laughs> you know it's hard to uh, it's hard to separate uh, separate those discomforts from uh, feeling like you know uh, this isn't the right thing. You know, this isn't ha- it's not happening right, but. Uh, you know, what would it be like if it was only a groove? You know, if there was no, no shit at all. I don't know if the groove would be a groove. You know, what would it be? It'd be, I guess, it'd be dead, maybe. Maybe, or maybe just. I think there's. I think people that don't have where there's no struggle, sometimes they're a little shallow because they don't. It's like oh, everything's really easy. So yeah. there's no like you didn't you didn't trip and fall on your face a bunch. You're not scabbed over, so everything's like oh yeah. you know. Yeah, or maybe it's everybody's got their own versions of uh, struggle. Like that person, you know, that must that must be that's a that's a struggle to be a, that's a different kind of struggle, you know, to be locked in that way, you know. Yeah, it's a struggle no matter what, man, isn't it? I find <laughs> shit. No matter what you you're know, doing, no matter how much you get it together, you know, the universe looks. Oh, you got it together. Check it out, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, some of this to handle, you know, or you're feeling, you know, big and open, and then you say, well, there's this that. And you get too uh, you get too big, you know, and and uh, and then you get dampened a little bit, and that's you know, you know, sometimes uh, if you're like the kind of person that you talked about that isn't too, uh, you know, open to uh, change and struggle, you know, even just a little tiny bit of it, like like you were that advice that you were giving your buddy, you know, well, just go in, you know, do a little thing, you know, don't have to feel you got to do the yeah the giant thing, just a little stretch, see where that is. And, you know, sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's you know just enough to feel. Oh, I, I oh, I did that. That was great. You know, and that it leads you to the next thing. But it's got life is uh, life's a bitch, man. <laughs> well, it's like somebody you know, like a friend of mine says. Uh, 
sure, you might get all of this one thing that you think you wanted, but then everything kind of goes up, and so then, you know, the stresses kind of go up, That's too. It's right. like nothing, yeah. no thing makes everything easier. So it's kind of like we were talking about with the acting thing, about the fear, you know, learning that that doesn't go away. So it's how you befriend that and how you kind of work with this thing that's going to be there. It's not about getting rid of that thing. You know, it's not about getting rid of the stress, but how you dance with it, how you play with it and uh, laugh at it, you know, and, and let it uh, also... Uh, lead to how connected we are. We're both we're talking about stress here. There's something that you experience, I experience. That comes with this kind of like a camaraderie. We get a little more community. Yeah, we're stressed, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what do we do? What should we do? You know, how do we get out of this thing? Do we want to get out? Do we want to get deeper? What are we going to do? What's up? You know? Yeah. Do we use it? Do we let it, you know, yeah. Is it step gonna, on our necks? Yeah. But everything that we can work with, work with all that stuff. You know, it's the it's the thing that that thing that where you shut yourself down, where you get you know. But sometimes you got it. Sometimes you just you know it's, it just gets too much. And you got well, it. yeah, especially. I mean, I would imagine you know, is it weird when you're you know when you do something like Jagged Edge or you do a character that's a little a little off? I mean, that character want, doesn't think he's off. But are there? Do you do you connect with characters when you're portraying? They're like, I don't really know if I want to keep this guy with me once I'm done with all this because it's a little you know it's yeah. a little weird yeah I, I remember doing an interview at home and the interviewer asked me a similar question you know are you the kind of guy who likes to be called by your character's name and you take the character home with you and stuff and I think I was was right around when I was doing Jagged Edge yeah. And I said, no, not really. I'm not really that kind of actor. And my wife was in the room, and she let out a big guffaw. <laughs> I said, why do, you, why do you say that? She says, well, you don't think you take it home. You know. <laughs> but I guess I do, and I'm not even aware of it. You know. <laughs> I think I do. You, know, you take, take all those things in. Um, I want to talk a little bit before we let you go. Uh, if people go to your website, there's like all your music is there. And, and by the way, I think that was... When, when you did Crazy Heart, was it finally, was that sort of for you going, hey everyone, uh, music is something that I do and that I enjoy, and I know you've released albums in the past, but was that was that for you partially sort of a coming out with your music to the world as well? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that was a big, um, a big byproduct of the thing, you know, I mean, we were talking about uh, stress and anxiety and stuff, and that would, I, in that movie I was kind of particularly anxious because as I mentioned before... I get most anxious and stressed uh, when I want to pull something off that I care about, you know, and I really wanted that that uh, music to be great. And, uh, you know, my dear friend T-Bone Burnett was in yeah. charge of the music and the great uh, first-time director, Scott Cooper. And, by the way, waiting to see his new movie. Gosh, Out of the Furnace. It'll be coming out soon. Okay. Killer movie. All right. Anyway, um, uh you know, with the music, so it was a dream. I just hoped I could pull it off, and it turns out I did. I did pretty good. I pulled the, <laughs> pulled the sucker off, and then that, and then after the movie, I thought, well, now you know, if I ever wanted to explore my music in a deeper way, now's a good time because it's kind of you know out there that I you know play music, and so I got you know a band together and take it out on the road, and so that was you know, that was a wonderful a wonderful thing to happen. For me. Where do you feel the validation? Is it do you have your own sense when you watch a movie and you go, yeah, I did exactly what I wanted to do, or is it other people going, that was amazing, or is it holding an Oscar in your hand? I mean, like when you're just looking out of the theater and you're like, well, I have this award, so I think yeah. I did something right. I, you know. uh, 
for me, it's my it's what how I feel about it, you know. And uh, and then I guess next would be the people that I respect their opinions. But um, yeah, for me, when I'm watching a movie, it's almost like a red light, green light thing. I say, yes, you got up oh, off, all right, <laughs> all good, good, good. And, you know, and. Uh, and like the dude says, you know, that's just your opinion, man. You know, the opinions aren't really worth much, I, I find, you know, in my life. I'll often, uh, you know, act in them. I'll do a scene where I think, oh, man, I kicked ass on that scene. That felt great, you know. And then I'll go see the dailies, you know, or, or see it in the movie, and I'll say, what the hell was that? That's, that's terrible. You know, it, it felt great because you were kind of in a cathartic place, but it doesn't serve the story, you know, it's... Totally inappropriate for the thing, and other times you'll you know the director will say we got to move on, and I'll say oh kind of I've got a better idea I can do it better, and he says no we got to move on. I go okay you know move on, and then you see it and you say oh that was fine that's so these, these opinions you know this is I think one of the things that causes us a lot of stress is our opinions of not about so much out there but about ourselves and what we what we're you know what we're like and and these opinions uh, you know we just shouldn't take them. Serious. I just the one thing, and and I'm guilty of it too. That I just wish people would do is just be nicer to themselves. Like you just get so fucking mean to 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 yourself. Like, oh, I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, or I didn't. It's just that. Oh man, it is so tough, isn't it? In sort of wrapping up, I want to talk a little bit quickly about the End Hunger Network, and Uh because I was digging around your website and I saw the the letter that you had written about, you know, the post that you made about like. Hunger has to end with 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 policy, with with government policy, yeah. not just here's a sandwich. Like the government has to institute policy yeah. for change. Yeah, that's very important. Also, uh, it's um, utilizing the policies that are already in action and out there. I'm uh, I'm the national spokesperson um, for an organization called Share Our Strength and their No Kid Hungry campaign. And that's all about going from state to state, working with the governors, uh, trying to have them make ending childhood hunger a priority in their uh, communities. And that's not by, you know, getting more programs or raising more uh, funds or anything. It's about uh, uh, using the public, I mean, using the federal programs that are already in place, but if they're not used in those states, then that money goes somewhere else. So it's letting... These, uh, you know, the folks uh, know that there are programs available, uh, not only in the schools, like you know, like the breakfast program and the lunch programs in school, but summertime is a very uh, tough time for kids who are in need of uh, food because school's out. Most of them get their nutrition at the school, and when the school's out, so is so are those meals. But uh, it's important for everybody to know that there are meal sites all around. Uh, and if, if people want to know actually where these um, sites are in their community, they can, they can uh, and help me with this because I'm not a texter myself, but there's a text program, Food for Kids, text Food for Kids to 877-877, and you can find out where these meal programs are in your area. And if you're 18 or under, you can get you know free food at these places, and there's no paperwork to fill out. That's a big thing that turns a lot of people off who are in need. Oh, I'm going to get right. you know busted something or something's going to happen. But there's no eligibility rules. Just show up and you can get something to eat. Yeah, you know? excellent. Well, um, I I would like to drop a challenge, which is uh, we do this thing on the internet. I do a show called All Star Celebrity Bowling. We've bowled against uh, Breaking Bad cast, Mad Men, 
Conan, Mythbusters. I really feel like if what? we could get a Lebowski team to bowl against, we could break the internet. We could fucking break what? the internet. How do you mean? What do you mean? Man? I mean, you and Goodman and Buscemi uh, and me and a couple of people, we bowl for charity. We could raise money for the Anaha Hunger Network. We could fucking break the internet bowling in, in, in one one bowling match, like one uh-huh. just uniting you guys. So now, where is this shown? Is this on your? It's on. It's on. It's on YouTube. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, we do it for charity, and uh, I really feel like I've got to drop the Lebowski bowling challenge right here, right now. All right. Well, I'll talk to my teammates. <laughs> if you do it, they'll do it. <laughs> like, uh, but uh, it's been really great to to have you here. Good And, and thanks, man. And, and uh, rest in peace. Department is July nineteenth. Thanks, man. Good chat. Really good chat with you All too. Right. All right. Enjoy your. Bur- oh, um, would you mind telling everyone to enjoy their burrito? That's something we say at the end of the podcast. Now you've crossed the line. Oh, shit. <laughs> now you have crossed the fucking Oh, my God. Line. I'm not a burrito man. I don't believe it. No. What do you want me to say? Just uh, tell people to enjoy their burrito. See, I'm taking direction now. This is a good example of that. See, I'm trying to right, go beyond Jeff, my... I want you to you know, really reach down yes. and remember the first burrito that you've okay. ever had. And, and what is the line again? It's enjoy your burrito. Enjoy your burrito. Cut, print, we got it. <laughs> One take, Bridges. Very good. Cool. No, we've done this before. Haven't we done this before? You look, so, you look so familiar, but you must have been on TV. And I'm stuff. on TV. I'm yeah, on TV yeah, a bunch. Yeah, maybe, so maybe, maybe. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Hey, welcome to Harvey Graw! At these family dinners... Delicious, everyone! Dysfunction is served. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? Jump, jump, jump! It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hope it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. To mom and dad being totally normal. Wow. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free, only on Freebie.